You're listening to a Monster Kid podcast. <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic. Hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century. Mike Pisacano and Anthony Cilio. Entitled Cinemarketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them. Or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. We're off. Off to see the wizard. Welcome to Cinemarketing. The trailers may have lied to you, but we won't. I am the Mike Scarecrow. <laughs> I, I guess I'm, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Can I, can I just be, I don't even remember the names of the farmhands. <laughs> Bud, <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, Hank. Hank, Hank, was, Hank was a real one. Hank yeah. was one. All Hank right. was one. Anyway, yeah. So we're doing uh, the Wizard of Oz. Victor Fleming, baby. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, needed a bit of a breather after last episode, Manos: The Hands of Fate. We did the worst movie of all time, so we needed to have a little bit of a swing back, and we're doing what might be the best movie of all time. Sorry, Lewis. Yeah. Good thing, yeah, this is an episode he was not going to be on. I think he hates this movie more than Manos, The Hands of Fate. He, he legitimately hates this movie, which I I think he might not be human. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, so also the other reason why we're doing this movie is because uh, we saw this movie in the theater for uh, a 100th year Judy Garland uh, bir- birthday celebration. It, it was they a fathom sh- event, and I don't know if they're still showing it, but ladies and gentlemen, if you listeners, if you... Uh, See that? Don't go. It's not. It's honestly. <laughs> we'll not get worth into it. what happened at the Fathom event uh, yeah. later on. But uh, also, an, uh, also, a historic piece of lost media related to this movie was discovered, which we will also be talking about. Oh yeah, we got so a, many. We got a lot of to cover. Yeah. So strap in. This might be a long fucking episode. Yeah. So many strokes of luck, just things falling into place where it's like, you know what? This is the movie for the time right now. Hundred percent. Movie, 100%. movie uh, directed by Victor Fleming. Uh, primarily, there were uh, a, a couple of other credited directors as well, starring Judy Garland, Ray Bolger, Jack Haley, Burt Lahr, Billy Burke, Margaret Hamilton, and Frank Morgan as the wizard and five other characters. He is excellent. Everyone, Everyone in this movie is yeah. electric. This is a yeah. This we. It's gonna be hard not to just wax poetic about every single fucking second of this movie. Yeah, well, let's just give a disclaimer right now. We both love this movie to death. So if you don't like The Wizard of Oz or you're looking for something negative, some hot takes, some discourse, you're probably go, not gonna get much of it here. Go listen to the episode that I did with Lewis and Jack on Random Movie Roulette if you want to hear any of that shit. Yeah, you know, this is gonna be a celebration of an amazing film. Yeah. This is it's hard to not sound like a cliched movie critic where it's like it's an American classic. It's, it's sensational. It's uh, great for parents and children of all ages. Like it's uh, it, it, it really probably I can't remember the first time that I saw this movie just because it's been just that omnipresent in my life. Like it's just always been like a staple. Yeah, this is this is like and I really hope that this is still a thing. When I was a kid, this was like one of the first movies you've ever seen. Like The Wizard of Oz fucking like Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka yeah these are like early childhood seminal movies yeah and I feel like a lot of kids Snow White yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of kids now I don't know how omnipresent this movie is for a lot of younger 
generations. I work with kids, and I don't. And whenever there's there's like stories and stuff in their readings or whatever that have Wizard of Oz, and they're like, "What's that?" And I, I never saw that movie. They're, yeah, I it's think like it, it's easy to find, right? It's on streaming services. Yeah, Disney, uh, HBO Max has it. Uh, yeah, and I think it also should probably be on like Turner Classic Movie Streaming or something. Yeah, but that's that's a, nobody's no kids that's, gonna that's have a, that. That's a niche one. That's yeah. that's that's a, that's a streaming app only me and you use. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so this movie, uh, released by MGM in 1939, but I think at this point, the rights for this movie are held by Warner Brothers. They are. The movie was released on August 25th of 1939, coincidentally, the week right before Hitler invaded Poland. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> Which also uh, probably played into... Because this movie was not like you know a beloved success as soon as it came out, and it, just I have like every one of these childhood movies, Willy Wonka was the same way. When it came out, it wasn't a beloved success. Yeah. In in tw- in fifty years, Paddington Two will be the same way. So oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, so there are hundreds of so many taglines for this movie. I can't even name uh, enough of them because there's just uh, so many from uh, so many different re-releases. This movie's had so many re-releases over the past like 90 years of the, this movie's existence. But I want to just run through a couple of them. Uh, I think one of them is from like the, probably the very earliest. It's just gaiety, glory, glamour. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That it, is the most 30s fucking tag Biggest one. screen sensation since Snow White. Who... That, that, that That's like a subtitle written by Mr. Movies, yeah. Mr. Hollywood. The greatest picture in the history of entertainment. <laughs> these are all real it. things. I'm not making any of these up. These are all on the IMDb taglines. Whoa. Yeah. The mighty miracle show that is the talk of America. These sound like me making fun of 1940s advertisements, but these were all things. Later on, there were some... For the re-releases, like they reincorporated a lot of like the famous lines, like "We're off to see the wizard." There's one. Here's one. If you enjoyed Snow White, you'll go into ecstasies over Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I'll go into, into ecstasies. ecstasies. Did that? Did that just say I'm gonna come in my pants? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that essentially what that said? I I don't. I'm not up to date with the 30 slang. Amazing sights to see: the tornado, Munchkinland, horse of a different color, startling balloon ascent, <laughs> flying startling monkeys, trees that talk and throw apples. <laughs> How? Wh- this where is, was this tagline? Th- this is just like this sounds like Wrigley Brothers trying to sell long. the movie. It's too long. It's too. I want that whole thing printed on a T-shirt. I want that whole <laughs> like one of those John and Paul and Ringo shirts. You know, well, I was thinking more like I'd rather be at home listening to you know uh, Santana featuring uh, Rob Thomas and Matchbox Twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, this movie has a very long production history, and you notice that a lot of the old advertisements for this movie make direct comparison to Snow White, basically because probably there's never really been a, like a high-budget family fantasy movie like that before that that they could even draw reference to. Like there were original, there were some Wizard of Oz like silent films in the 1920s, but they're horrifying, and nobody should ever watch them. Uh, so yeah, so MGM bought the book rights f- uh, for The Wizard of Oz in January of 1938 in the wake of the success of Snow White. Basically because, again, they saw a successful family fantasy story and they're like, we could make one of those. Make it a, a big, high-profile MGM musical. And it won't cost as much because we don't have to pay animators. Yeah, and also because, yeah, it, it, at that point, the only animation... It, company in town that big was Walt Disney and yeah, so if they yeah. were trying to capitalize off of that everything else was doing everybody else was doing shorts the Fl- Fleischer was all shorts and shit that's the only other big animation house I could think of 
they were also and also Warner, but yeah. anyway. Uh, originally, Shirley Temple was considered for the role of Dorothy. That sounds horrible. Yeah. It, it, we were thinking of, like all of those those Shirley Temple infomercials. Animal crackers in my soup, Mike. You got to put this under it. I will Monkeys definitely put and rabbits loop. I will definitely be putting. That's the only familiarity I have with any Shirley Temple anything is those ads for the <laughs> Shirley Temple box sets <laughs> that Mike, ran you on TV. Mike, you should do some reading about the first interracial dance scene, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was a little based. She she was. Animal crackers in my soup. Monkeys and rabbits Three Shirley Temple classic family films, beautifully restored in black and white and also in color. Both versions are included in this special edition DVD box set for twenty nine ninety eight. And she had she didn't she died only like a few years ago, so she lived a long life too. Yeah, she lived a very long life. Uh, sadly, can't say the same about Judy Garland. Yeah, unfortunately, but both of them had pretty uh, tortured, uh, you know, upbringings. Child, just, upbringings. Yeah, just being a child actor in the fucking thirties. Of course, any yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Shirley Temple died twenty fourteen, dude. She died almost ten years ago. Oh wow, it, it feels like some. It feels like longer than that. Like yeah, a it little, feels like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gotta love the. Gotta love how COVID just destroyed our sense the, the of space time. time continuum. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be one of those uh, we're in a pandemic kind of people, but it really did. The before times. I I hate that. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so some other uh production. Uh, also, I have to disclose. Most of the information that I am getting for this show all comes from the Angela Lansbury documentary. Yes, that was there was a, there's that Angela Lansbury documentary that ma- you obsess over. The making of the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Uh, the making of a movie classic. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's directed by Jack Haley's son. Yeah. So it's a little biased. Here's the thing, yeah. It's, I'd say, like, it's not, like, you know, the greatest piece of investigative journalism or documentary filmmaking, but it is the coziest fucking thing to me. I watched that almost as much as I watched the movie when I was younger. I had the DVD, and honestly, I gotta say, it was scary. I was... Uh, a so lot of all the concept art, and yeah, the, the concept the art, the role of the of uh, Margaret Hamilton, yeah, the behind the scenes footage looks very creepy, and just the way that Angela Lansbury narrates over it, it just creates a very oh. ominous tone. And we'll we'll get to this, but not even uh, not even the documentary, the movie itself. My uncle cannot watch Wizard of Oz. It scared him shitless as a kid. Like he cannot watch it. I've tried to get him to watch it. Like, hey, it's a great movie. He's like, no, I I will not sit through that. Yeah. I mean, and we'll also get to like the impact that 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 had on a whole generation of kids of, like, being scared of the Wicked Witch or yeah. just a lot of the other things uh, about the movie. But, yeah, no, I think that, yeah, m- most of a lot of my childhood fear of this movie comes from watching that documentary and just, like, all of the real-life horrors that happened, and I'm just thinking about, like, oh, my God, like, she almost burned to death. Yeah, or, like, so, so production history, which we're talking about, yeah, she there, there's you, you probably all heard this. Listen, listen, I know most people listening to this have probably heard these stories, but... We all know Wizard of Oz had a pretty hell production, hellish production cycle, and to this day, it's one of those movies where I cannot believe that there hasn't been a, a, a movie about the production of this. Like a fictionalized yeah. movie, like so a biopic. There are two movies that I want to see. I want to see a movie about the production of The Wizard of Oz, and I want to see a movie about the production of Cleopatra. Yeah. There have been books about the production of Cleopatra. All you got to do is adapt one of the books. That's all you have to do. I'll, go, I'll see it opening night. Because yeah. it's an amazing, it's a crazy story. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the production of this movie is very highly publicized to the point where uh, one of the uh, p- 
piece of media. You can go on YouTube and see like the cursed creation of the Wizard of Oz or something. Oh yeah, like that. I've watched a few of those. Yeah, uh, Shutter recently uh, on Shutter on Shutter the streaming service, yeah, yeah, yeah. the horror streaming service. There's a series called Cursed Films where every episode is about oh. like you know the the hellish back. But they're story. not all horror movies. No, no, I mean they did Wizard of Oz. That was one. Some of them can be horror movies, but like some of them they. Did, they did so they're not, they're not bound to just horror movies. No, yeah, I'm just like, thing. you know... I want to check that out. ...behind-the-scenes horror stories. I watched it. It's kind of like a little bit more respectable, the movies that made us. And I watched uh, I watched that episode just in preparation, and it's like all the stuff in there is stuff that I had known about before. Nothing really new came to light. Yeah, yeah. It's all of the same stories. The Ray Bulger was originally cast as the Tin Man, but he wanted to be the Scarecrow. And then... Buddy Ebsen was originally a scarecrow, but then they switched roles, and then Buddy Ebsen was allergic to the Tin Man makeup, and then he had he to He wasn't back- just allergic to it. It was lead in the makeup. He got, he got fucking lead poisoning. Yeah, it was, like, coated his lungs. Yeah, and, and then they like, okay, we got to change the makeup. You got to take the lead out of the makeup. Yeah, <laughs> so then they, they when they cast Jack Haley as the Tin Man, they changed it to a, a paste instead of, like, a, a dust. Uh, but then, like, that he and I think he had, like, a skin reaction to yeah, the, yeah. the uh, makeup. Yeah. Then, yeah, we also brought up the, the Wicked Witch. Uh, was it Margaret Hamilton? She burned on the set when she goes into the big fireball in Munchkinland, yeah. and she, like, caught third-degree burns on her hands and face. Yeah. And then when she, after she recovered, the next thing they needed her to do was the Wicked Witch on the broom skywriting, and yeah. she's like, I'm not doing any more pyrotechnic stuff yeah. or whatever. So they had this the stunt double do it, and then during that shot like the broom set blew up and like yeah. shrapnel like got yeah. into the she actress. refused to do any set any stunts after that yeah yeah so yeah. just a, just another thing this movie is probably is the oldest movie we've ever covered as a result you know a lot of the stuff to find relating to promotion movie promotion was a lot different back then so you know there aren't any fast food tie-ins obviously there aren't any tv spots that you know so what we did instead you know the wizard of oz is based off of a book series that has like what 14 books Mm -hmm. so as a result this movie was kind of the start of a i don't want to say a cinematic universe but it really was the start of the oz uh, of cementing oz as like this media empire so what we're going to do in terms of promotion we're going to focus really on related films to it cross promotions and things of that nature things that has come out over the years because the wizard of oz is such a timeless film and it's been re-released so many times i think we could really look at just every decade every decade of it pretty much had some kind of major promotion so that's really what we're going to cover rather than just the original because if we cover just the original this podcast would be five minutes tops because yeah a lot of that information is kind of lost to time but it's like also more of the you know the the movie's legacy is from all of the decades and decades of re-releases and new related materials and stuff like that. And because The Wizard of Oz as a property is public domain, so a lot of the stuff that is Oz-related is not specifically tied into the 1939 But they tried movie. to tie it because when people think Wizard of Oz, they don't think of the books. They think of the 1939 movie. Yeah. Or unless, unless you want to be a weirdo contrarian and say Return to Oz, but we don't talk to those types of people. <laughs> Return to Oz is okay. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yes, it, it is okay. I've never said it was bad. I'm just saying, like, if, 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 you, if I say Wizard of Oz and the first thing you think of is Return to Oz, or you immediately bring up Return to Oz, I'm stealing something out of your house. That's Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, I'm stealing something out of your house. Okay. Get ready. Uh, let me play the first trailer right now for The Wizard of Oz from the original release uh, from 1939. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured and painted with a rainbow. The celebration in Munchkinland, the flying monkeys, the rescue of Dorothy, the castle of the witch, the palace of Oz, and Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wins, if ever a wins there was. If ever a weather of wins there was, the wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. trailer yeah so yeah this one has a lot of stuff that is not in the finished movie a lot of like different angles different takes that yeah, you see lost media yeah also most of the trailer is black and white so uh, and even a lot of the color scenes that are in the movie are are like shown in black and white in the trailer so there's a part of me that wonders how many people actually knew that the movie would turn to color at a certain point. A couple things. How many people knew it was going to be in color? How many people seeing it have seen a color movie before? Because color was a thing. That I, you know, it's it's common to see like, oh, this was one of the, this was, you know, as a kid, you think, oh, this was the first color movie. It wasn't. Far from it. There were color movies before this. But they weren't as widespread. They weren't common. Yeah, yeah. And also because, uh, again, marketing was different. You didn't have YouTube, so you could watch trailers over and over again. The only times you would see a trailer is like if you're in a movie theater, and you got to imagine that, like, you know, they're not going to remember every shot of the trailers. Oh, of course. So you could probably imagine that, like, you know, a lot of them just seeing, like, black and white footage then go into this movie, and then when it does turn to color, like, even today, knowing that it's in a color movie, that transition to color is such a magical... It's the cleanest transition I think I've ever seen for a movie this old. Like, I don't know how they did it. I how don't they, understand. How they did it is that... It was shot in color. They had a double dressed in sepia tone dress. And then when she opens the door op- and into so the So you're telling world. me the room was literally painted sepia tone? Yes. And, oh, and the my dress. God. That is, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's sick. 
Yeah, and then they uh, they had a double dressed in sepia tone, and then she opens the door, and then she backs out of frame, and then Judy Garland in the color dress walks out. That's fucking awesome, dude. They, they see, I love old movies like this because they really had to get by with what they had. It, it's so sick. No, yeah, there's so much interesting stuff about just like the making of this movie, and I'm sure I'm going I'm going to have to restrict myself by not just including so many clips from the Angela Lansbury documentary because so much of that informs a lot of my uh a lot of my knowledge of the wizard of oz just because i have it so committed to memory because of how many times i've watched it yeah yeah there's some other documentaries that were made about this movie uh around the time of the 90s because that's when most of the principal cast had already been long dead however i do know in the 90s i don't mean i didn't mean to cut you off there in the 90s there was very common for um schools the a lot of the munchkins when they were in the movie the munchkins were a a combination of little people and children so the ones who were children when the movie was shot were still alive in the late 80s early 90s and i think the last one died in like the pretty recently like the late 2000s i think no uh, and a lot of the the little people actors are still alive at that time yeah and so a lot lot of them be seen there's a documentary called we're off to see the munchkins exactly and a lot of them they went to schools and everything they would show the movie and do q a's with children i remember seeing a lot i remember reading about that it's uh so yeah, we're 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 off to see the Munchkins. Have you watched this documentary? I was on I was I went on YouTube. I watched a couple clips of it. It's a lot of like talking head interviews with a lot of the Munchkin actors, and a lot of it is stuff that I had seen in the Angela Lansbury documentary. A lot of information, but I do th- find it very charming and wholesome because I think that like the perceptions and depictions of you know of differently abled and and little people in movies is not great, and I think that. There's a a, pers- a perspective that like I understand from like someone like Peter Dinklage where he's just like with the um, with like dwarf characters and fantasy things where he's like this is this all that we're allowed to play and that I I certainly understand like that uh you know frustration in there but I I I do enjoy like the these actors in this movie just speaking so reverently about the experience of being in this movie being a part of an American classic and also because. A lot of them had never really had any roles greater than this. I mean, sadly, but yeah, like, it's the highlight of their career. Yeah, but but that they cherish it so much and they talk so lovingly about it, and and how they and how it like keeps them, you know, up to date with like you know the the, the younger generations and how they're still remembered for it. And it's a it's honestly, I think it's a very nice story. Well, I think making this picture is one of the greatest things ever done. Because it makes us people, the small people, the little people, make us feel great. Because we are noticed. Because usually people don't notice you. <laughs> and when I was when I was little, when I was in the eighth grade, I was still smaller than the girl in the first grade. I was always the smallest one. And now you're noticed. I wasn't then, but today I'm noticed. Great. Good feeling. All right, so uh, we're going to go through the timeline of all of this movie's many re-releases. Yeah, we'll um, cover the re-releases just because there are so many of them. Yeah. And so then after the break, we'll do whole media releases. So these are just theatrical releases just to show how prominent this movie was over the years. Yeah. So in 1949, this movie was released. It was the 10-year anniversary. And we watched on the Blu-ray that I have, they have... Uh, every trailer from every re-release for this movie, and we watched the whole playlist of them. And the one for the 1940s one is so weird because it's like they don't use any clips from the movies. They use 
modern film clips of all of those actors in the trailer. Like, it has Judy Garland and Ray Bolger movies from, like, the late 40s to advertise this movie. Like, so it's advertising, like, the modern, like, modern movies that these stars were in. If you like these movies, you should go see this movie. And And also, it has, like, this very antiquated 1940s, like, hey. Hey, why don't, why don't you just play it? Yeah, well, I mean, because it's not really... It's not an audio based like oh, a yeah, lot of it was visual. It's visual. And te- yeah, you're right. You're visual right. and text. But yeah, there was um there was <laughs> the, the, it opens with like men is your wife a nag? Women is your husband a slob? Well maybe you should go see the Wizard of Oz. That'll make you like each other. <laughs> yeah, what Yeah, nothing gets me hornier than the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> That'll fix your marriage. Go off into a fantasy land and That'll then get a real- pep in your step. Then you'll realize how uh, shitty your real life is. Uh and then it, it was re-released in 1955, which that was released with the Kansas scenes being black and white instead of sepia tone. And then it stayed that way for basically the next 50 years because the only other times that this movie was basically shown was on TV. Because this was at the point when television had become the mainstream thing. And... It was like a yearly tradition where they everyone would watch The Wizard yeah. of Oz. It's, li- it's kind of crazy, too, by the way, talking about all these re-releases where it's like now it's like, have you seen this movie? No. Oh, all right, dude, I'll let you borrow it or let's look it up. It's on Netflix. Back in the day, it's like, hey, have you seen The Wizard of Oz? No. Oh, well, that sucks. I guess you'll have to wait 10 years for it to come back in theaters. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I mean, then again, film back then was still seen as like kind of like this traveling road show. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like Broadway now where it's like, oh, have you seen Hamilton? Well, I mean, you could watch Hamilton on Disney Plus now, but it's like something else where it's like, oh, have you seen, have you seen Book of Mormon? No. Well, I guess if you don't go see it in Manhattan, then yeah. you're never going to see it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It Let's was, bring that back. Because yeah. it was seen as like a, like, you know, a theatrical event. We got to go see this once in a lifetime Tarantino, thing. Tarantino, you tried it once. Please do it again. Please do the road show. No, the road show. I honestly, I like that that hateful eight uh, road show. That was a pretty. Uh, I honestly like. Yeah, I wish move. I missed it. I wish yeah. I went. Uh, but yeah, so the movie was then re released in 1989 for its 50th year anniversary, uh, and then in 1998 was when they released the 60th year anniversary with, with remastered audio. Yeah, that's probably the Dolby surround or something. Yeah, this and this was also its highest grossing release. I believe it grossed like 14 million on this. So it grossed more than it did in like its theatrical yeah. run. Most of the money that this movie made was from re-releases. Yeah. It's th- it, and it's it, it definitely it's like I can't imagine watching this movie any pre-1998 cut with mono sound and like no, that would that would just be awful. I don't know if you want to take in some uh, s- uh, taking a an old an old throwback like oh we're gonna watch it on watch it on stereo or something. Listen, or I've got I've got 4K ultra high def true HD version on my TV and I can never go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to watch. I can see out Judy Garland's fucking flyaway hairs on the TV. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you could see that all the plants are plastic. You could see where the wall ends. Yeah, the, like <laughs> the backgrounds are just big paintings. It's it's nuts. There's no hanging Munchkin. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah. So then it also had a couple of other various re-releases in Fathom Events 2002, 2006, 2009 was its 70th year anniversary. Uh, the most prolific release, uh, up to this point, though, was in 2013 for its 75th year anniversary was an IMAX 3D release. I ha- I didn't see that. All I know is that the IMAX 3D release is the basis now for all the 4K cuts. 
Yeah, and we sh- they had the trailer for that on the Blu-ray as well, and it ha- it is the most 2013 trailer you can imagine. It's got... Can you play this one? And who might you be? If you please, I am Dorothy. The greatest family film of all time returns to the big screen for one week only. We mastered in IMAX 3D. Won't you take me with you? Why, of course I will. It's got sad, slowed-down choruses of children's choirs singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's got epic 2013 trailer music. It's like... I've, I've noticed this with the re-releases, like the trailers for the re-releases, watching those playlists, is that they... I don't know if they had a good idea of how to sell it, because it's just like, oh, it's just such, like, you know, this omnipresent movie. Everybody knows what it is. It's but the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. What the... Because like, like, there's some trailers that, like, try to play up, like, the kiddiness of it, where it's like, there was one trailer where it's like, imagine going to a fantasy land with munchkins. I remember we watched that on yeah. one of the, I'll play that clip there. Imagine you're over the rainbow in a fantastic land of tiny people half your size and yellow brick roads that can lead anywhere. A land of flying monkeys and the Wicked Witch of the West. A land of danger and excitement. And fun. Follow the yellow brick road and find the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Love to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wins, if ever a wins there was. If ever a wonder of wins there was, the Wizard of Oz is one because, 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 because. 
a scarecrow that dances, a lion that sings, a tin man that talks, a wizard that whizzes, and Dorothy, and you. We're on the scene. And then it was re-released in 2019 uh, for its 80th year anniversary. And then the one that we saw, the 2022 Fathom event release, uh, 100 years over the rainbow, Judy Garland's 100th anniversary year anniversary, so, for which, those of you who which also had a never before yeah. seen deleted so scene. For those, in of, it. for those of you who don't know, Fathom events are like these one-time things that are at Regal Cinemas, but they're also at other. I think AMC does it too. Basically, it's like. They're limited showing, so they'll do the Metropolitan Opera or, uh, you know, I think they did Terminator 2 one time or Indiana Jones. So this, they did it here. It was one night only. We paid $18 to see this fucking movie. Yeah. We go in. The First of all, the cut looks great. It's the 4K print. Looks fine. Sounds great. Um, and they advertise the deleted scenes. So we're thinking, oh, there's so many deleted scenes. There's that cut Jitterbug song, the reprise of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. We're like, what's it going to be? Yeah. I also thought that they were going to put it like in sequence, like yeah. where the so movie was. Right before no, they... the movie, they say, stay tuned after the film for a deleted scene. So immediately that's put up some red flags. I'm like, all right. So they're not editing it into the film, so it's probably going to be shit quality. But okay, let's Yeah. And be what positive. was it? It's the fucking extended scarecrow dance that everyone has seen before. It's on the DVD. You could watch it right now. I know you all have a DVD of Wizard of Oz. Everyone has it. Put it in your player right now. You could watch exactly what we saw. We paid eighteen dollars to see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I as soon as I saw the scarecrow on the thing, I was like, oh fuck! Like they really fucking tricked us. Like I thought it was gonna be shit. And it wasn't even good quality. It's better quality on the DVD. I don't know why this print they got looks horrible. It was like all washed out and gross looking. Yeah. And forgive me for thinking I was going to get something better, but they advertised this well, 100th year. Maybe they uncovered something from like the MGM vaults or Not something. Not even uncovered. I, I fully believe that the Jitterbug and everything has footage. I know they do. Yeah, the only footage I've ever seen of the Jitterbug is like behind the scenes of like non-union workers in tree suits like yeah. swinging around in the forest. Like. Yeah, it was very, very unsettling stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so also the other problem with these Fathom events is that uh, they don't have trailers in front of them, which would be fine, but a lot of modern theaters, the trailers have cues, cues at the end and that automatically that, turn yeah, off the lights. Yeah, so the, the lights were on for like the first 10 minutes of the movie, and also it didn't extend the screen. It didn't like, ma it, the, the masking didn't match the screen, so we're watching this movie 4x3, but like, the but it's like, the screen is like extended wide, so you see all of like the black, like uh, yeah. the, the uh, they should have the kept the curtains bars. closed. Yeah, yeah, that would have doesn't made it. make any sense. Yeah, it just shows that nobody gives a shit about re-releases. I mean, if you go to like a theater that specializes in them, like the Alamo Draft House, I have C Center, oh, of course, or something like that. Good theaters. Yeah, but like these these like corporate regal, re fucking yeah, they. To them, it's just like, all right, shit, nobody's going to come see this. This is just a waste yeah, of Yeah, we theater. were one of five people in that theater. It was yeah. a Sunday night. Who the fuck's seeing that? Yeah. Uh, the one old lady there who was the champ who got them to turn the to turn the lights off. But yeah. <laughs> it honestly looked like, it honestly sounded like she it was the, her first time seeing the movie. She was like laughing at every joke. I'm like, you haven't, you sound like you haven't seen You ever seen been to a movie, movie with old people? They laugh at everything. That's like, true. <laughs> That's true. Oh. But. but yeah, so <laughs> all right. Well, on that note of us talking about our our <laughs> dreadful experience at the 100th year Fathom event <laughs> of the Wizard of Oz, let's take a little break. Uh, and what I'm gonna play for the break is that there was an 
odd trend in the mid-2000s where companies would make commercials using repurposed footage from The Wizard of Oz, but including their products in it. So the first one is for M&M's, the second one is for FedEx, and then the third one is for Chips Ahoy. So I'm going to play those three commercials to give you a sense of how they decided to use The Wizard of Oz in order to sell their, their merchandise. Place like home. It's Aunt Em, darling. Well, she seems all right now. We kind of thought she was going to leave us. But I did leave, and I tried to get back for days. You just had a bad dream. Sure. Remember me? Oh, but it wasn't a dream. Only you were blue, and you were red, and you were yellow. <laughs> you were all in color, and all so beautiful. Oh, it was a lot better. Help the M&Ms find their colors. We represent the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild, the Lollipop Guild, and in the name of the Lollipop Guild. What happened to our voices? This is not good. back uh in the land of oz in the merry old land of oz and we're going to talk about the reviews for the movie now it's like <laughs> it's so weird here looking up reviews for a movie that's older than my parents yeah also it's just like a universally beloved movie there's like two negative reviews rotten tomatoes 98 percent 162 reviews 159 positive three negative the critics consensus reads an absolute masterpiece whose groundbreaking visuals and deft storytelling are still every bit as resonant the wizard of oz is a must-see film for young and old yes very obvious very metacritic yeah. has a 92 out of a 100 with 28 positive reviews and two mixed and Almost every single positive review is a 100, so it was really hard to pull a best review. So I tried to go with what with the one that I found that was the oldest. This review is from August 16th, 1939. It's a mixture. So he went opening night. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was probably like a week in advance because the yeah. movie came out on the 25th. So it's a mixture of childish fantasy and adult satire and humor of a kind that never seems to grow old. John C. Flynn Sr. of Variety gives it a 100 out of a 100. <laughs> It's just variety. Yeah. I also wonder what were the standards for film criticism back then? He's like, oh, it's fantasy and satire and humor. It's like too many ends. You got to use some commas there, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. The film uh, reviews back then were like, 
Oh my God, the picture's moving. <laughs> the train's gonna hit us. <laughs> that was filmed. I want to see. Her, I want to find. I want to uncover a 1902 review of the train pulls into the station. Did you see somebody took a train pulls into the station and used AI to upscale it to 4K <laughs> or 8K? He did it in 8K. It's wild. <laughs> I'll show you on YouTube after he uploaded it to YouTube. It's insane. Well, I think that the train's gonna hit me out of the out of the computer. <laughs> Perhaps. All right, and then the worst review. This is from the time. Uh, the worst review says, "Fantasy is still Walt Disney's undisputed domain. Nobody else can tell a fairy tale with his clarity of imagination, his simple good taste, or his technical ingenuity. This was forcibly born in on born in on me as I sat cringing before MGM's Technicolor production of The Wizard of Oz, which displays no trace of imagination, good taste, or ingenuity." Russell Maloney of the New Yorker gives it a forty out of a one hundred. That sounds like a very New Yorker review. Yeah, but it's also just saying like nobody could do this like Walt Disney. Walt Disney, he had one movie at this time, one feature-length fantasy film. Why are we declaring that he is the king of this genre? Well, I mean, he pioneered feature-length animation. <laughs> I mean, it's true, I fair, but it's like it's unfair to say that nobody else can do this. It, only he knows how to do this. It's yeah, like that's true. That's true. Yeah. Again, can you imagine someone saying something like that today? Yeah. <laughs> nobody knows movies like Peter Jackson. No. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody can do these big budget spectacles like Joe and Anthony Russo. Nobody makes movies like Zack Snyder. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people on Twitter who will say that also. But yeah. That anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, also from this time, a lot of run-on sentences, a lot of uh, incorrect grammar. He put dashes between, he put hyphens between MGM. Uh, so this That's movie back when people called it Metro Goldwyn-Mayer. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, this production budget was $2.7 million of 1939 money. So let me let me put that in the old that inflation calculator. Probably hundreds of millions of dollars. So its total domestic gross across all re-releases is around 25 to 24 to 25 million and about like 2 million of that was from the original release in 1939. So a majority of this movie's money was made back in the re-releases. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. it was also, you know, wartime yeah, but then again, Gone with the Wind came out the same year, and it is still, I think, uh, according to inflation, the highest-grossing movie of all time. Yeah, what year did it, what year was this again? Nineteen thirty-nine. So nineteen thirty-nine in twenty twenty-two, that is fifty-six fifty-six million seven hundred seventy-six thousand nine hundred twenty dollars and eighty-six cents. Yeah, I mean, well, even today, so let's round it up to fifty-seven million dollars. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, even today, fifty-seven million dollars in Hollywood money for twenty twenty-two. That's like you'll get like an uh, you'll an get indie film. Yeah, you, yeah, you'll get like a, a household drama starring like Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah, not even an indie film. An indie film is even less yeah. than that. You get like some mid-range studio comedy starring like Judd Apatow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a Judd Apatow movie right yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, so by the way, I know that inflation counters are not hundred percent accurate. It, con it it removes any and all context, so it's probably wildly different than fifties. But it's fun to think about. Yeah. All right, so uh, s let's get into some of the other films that followed up this. So in nineteen seventy two, there was an animated film called Journey Back to Oz, uh, where Liza Minnelli, who is the daughter of Judy Garland, played Dorothy, and Mickey Rooney played the Scarecrow. And this is also significant because. One of the other uh, marketing things around from the time was that Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney, because they were like, you know, the two the two high profile young actors that all of the kids loved. So they had them like go on like the road shows and stuff and do opening acts 
in front of the movie. Well, they were like a thing, though, right? Were they like dating at the time? I believe so. I mean, the Angela Lansbury uh, documentary shows that, what was it, the pool party at Mickey Rooney's house? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, uh, I, I would pay good money. To, to, to go, go to, to the 1930s pool. Uh, Mickey Rooney ba- backyard baseball <laughs> backyard pool. pool party that looks so fucking baseball. lit. I'm gonna put a clip of that just to. G- I don't yeah. know if uh, I don't know how. I don't know if there's any audio clip, but throw it in anyway. Yeah, yeah. Get on your mark. Get set. Go. Even Judy Garland's 17th birthday party becomes a public event. She and Mickey Rooney are the newest rage among teenage moviegoers, and their boss, Louis B. Mayer, is well aware of it. Also, I just want to mention, uh, while we're on the topic, Liza Minnelli. It was 80s hot Liza Minnelli in that documentary. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Or 90s, ni- like 90s, early 90s hot Liza Minnelli. Uh, and also in this animated film, Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch in the original movie, played Annie M. So that's a nice bit of like you know callback casting. Yeah, um, yeah. And Margaret Hamilton also. We're gonna get into some other things where it's like she probably had like you know the most uh, involvement with like future uh, like Oz references and stuff like that, and and you know related media. So yeah, we'll so get into she, all she those. basically made her career on this movie and yeah. just like that. What she ran with it. Yep. Good for her. Uh, in. And now this is one of the things that I did actually learn from the Shutter documentary uh, that in 1981 there was a movie, a comedy starring Chevy Chase and Carrie Fisher. I'm already out. <laughs> I'm already out. Called Under the Rainbow, and it is a it's a screwball comedy about Chevy Chase is like some investigator, and he is undercover at the hotel that all of the Munchkin actors stayed in at the time of filming, and it's just about the Munchkin actors just causing a ruckus. It's it's just, it's just look, they're little people. It's exploitation. Uh, it's kind of, like, based on a lot of, like, you know, heightened f- re- reality s- stories that, like, the Munchkin actors were, like, drunks. And Well, I mean... The Judy Garland said that, but, uh, like, in a joking manner, but then, like, people kind of ran with it, like, oh, they were delinquents, they were having, like, sex orgies in these hotels every <laughs> night and stuff like that, and uh, Jerry Marin... They held seances every night. <laughs> and Jerry Marin, who he's, like, probably the most prominent Munchkin actor, he played uh, the green lollipop kid. Yeah, and so the he, best one. Yeah, and he's... And he's Shown up a lot in these documentaries and in yeah. these, like, you know... Uh, I think he was the one who did, like, the school tours. Yeah. So, and he he is in this movie as, like, a background character. Because I, I think at the time he thought it would be a fun idea. And then I think in recent years, like, later on he said that he kind of regrets making the movie because it did just kind of paint negative stereotypes of little people and kind of ruin, like, the, the image that they had. It kind of painted them in, like, a negative light. Was he the last to die? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so uh, <laughs> anyway, then we have, uh, of course, 1985, Return to Oz, which was made by Disney. Well, an odd film. Yeah, it's it's I, I, the way that a lot of people talk about, like how like Wizard of Oz was like you know an, an introduction to horror, like of scarring you for life as a young kid. I know that there's a lot of people who feel that way about Return to Oz. It is pretty eerie. Yeah, I, it's it's certainly uh, a very creepy, uh, and especially because it's so stylistically visually different from the wizard of oz it just kind of feels unnatural like it feels like it's not it doesn't take place in the same world you're like what is this which is kind of i guess it's kind of fitting because it's dorothy who's still a child 
And this child looks way younger than Judy Garland did, so that's also a little odd. But, like, yeah, she goes back to Oz, and it's like, oh, this is a different place. Like, this isn't how I remember it. Like, all of the characters that I love are long decades gone. Is that one based on another book, or is this an original? I'm not sure. I'm sure that they probably, like, made up their own shit. (laughs) Let me I'm I'm, going to check that out. All right. (laughs) Going a couple of years later now, this, I feel, out of all of these, is the one that's trying to... Uh, recreate the magic of the 1939 movie the most, and that is, in 2013, Sam Raimi's Oz the Great and Powerful. What a piece of shit movie. Yeah, I, um, (laughs) there's a lot of things about this movie that are not great. I think the only thing that I actually think is okay about the movie is that, like, the opening segment, which is in black and white in Kansas, and it kind of mirrors the original movie about how some of the the real-life people play, like, the fantasy characters that he sees in Oz later. But James Franco's just... It's just the most 2013 casting. He He's not a charismatic wizard. and James Franco's very rarely a charismatic yeah. guy. And and, Mar- and Mila Kunis is the Wicked Witch. Again, Mommy. very, very 2013 casting. But she's it's a really a horrible performance in the movie. Uh, it's, it's so overly post-Alice in Wonderland CGI 3D. And it's it's really just kind of disgusting to look at. I don't like this movie. Horrible. Uh, but oh, by the way, Return to Oz is based on two Oz books: uh, Marvelous Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. So, put that and put chalk that put that in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> and the only other significant movie related to the Wizard of Oz that I can I can't even call this significant, but it's some bullshit that me and Lewis and Jack watched for our show. It's called Legends of Oz: Dorothy's Return. It's a CGI animated movie where I think like Leah Michelle plays Dorothy. And Jane. Ew! It looks gross. It's horrible. It looks it 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 looks like one you're, of those like it listeners. Looks like you're fight. lucky. This is not a visual medium. I'm 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 ready to vomit. It looks like a food fight movie. Like is it, it is, looks. Is this is this an American made film or is this? No, I don't know. It, it looks like one of those like Barbie animated movies from like Re- the mid two thousands. Leah Michelle, Dan Aykroyd, Kelsey Grammer, Jim Belushi. This is one of those weird Oliver Platt, Martin Short. This is one of those weird movies where it's like. Where did they get this cast from? This no-budget animated movie. I mean, then again, Dan Aykroyd in the 2014 is not a big. I'm just saying, it's it's a name, but it's a name. It is a name. How did they get these names? (laughs) And yeah, this this movie was it's it's a terrible film. It's it's one of the worst animated movies I've ever seen. We watched it on a whim as a joke uh, for this podcast. It's free on Plex. Yeah, it's it's really bad. All the songs are bad. Uh, the animation is oh, bad. Oh, it's an Indian film. But yeah, but it's, yeah, American cast and whatever. It's it's probably, yeah, I don't even know what animation company did this movie. Prana Studios? They did Hoodwinked. Oh, they that explains hoodwinked. it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they did, they, wait, they did Tinkerbell? Yeah, th- that, that's exactly what this looks like. It looks like one of those Tinkerbell movies. Yeah. Oh, but they also did Postman Pat the movie. So, is that is that a good thing? I don't know. It's Postman Pat. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Those of you across the pond, tell us what what how's Postman Pat? Is I think it's I think it's pure. On the scale of uh, Sean the Sheep to Dougal, how is it? <laughs> Sean the Sheep's on the top, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of well, then again, Dougal the Magic Roundabout is actually good. Dougal the Weinstein Abomination is shit, but yeah. I've heard the Magic Roundabout is actually not bad. Yeah. But anyway, 
All right, let's get to some of the other fun cross-promotion-related things. This movie did have a video game adaptation in the 1990s for the SNES, and the reason I know about this is because of the angry video game nerd, <laughs> and he did a, uh, a video on this game, and the game looks, of course, really bad and janky. And, and Mike Matei plays one of his best roles as the uh, as Cowardly the Lion. He's <laughs> a Wicked Witch of the West. Wicked Witch of my ass. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, dick, dick, dick. Uh, I'm going to put a couple of clips of him. Now, the lion's the best, and here's why. I'm the lion, I'm the lion, I'm the lion from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> One time a rooster took a shit up inside of the barn. Let's have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Put him up, put him up. <laughs> oh, I like to wipe my ass with his tail. It's not my dick, it's my tail. <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I love Mike Matei. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. So I have never played this game. Uh, I don't I want to. I have. It's it's uh, it it it's not good. Yeah. I played it for about ninety seconds and I turned it yeah, off. Yeah, just looking at the footage of it in the Angry Video Game Nerd episode, it just looked really like yeah, like it's impossible like to control and you you can't land on the platforms and the attacks suck. Like yeah, I, I it's it's very. Very quintessential it, licensed game from the 90s. And it's weird that it, 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 it didn't even coincide with the re-release because the re-release was in 89, and this was on Super Nintendo, which was big around 92, 93. The next re-release was 98. Maybe yeah. it was a whole media release or something yeah, that they I were mean, going off of. And then again, it's just also just kind of probably just going off of just making popular pu properties that they probably had the rights to into games. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing, now this is the big find, because uh, up until, we were planning this episode before we f realized that this had been uncovered, and we were going to talk about it just in depth uh, a little bit, because there was a Sesame Street episode from 1975, I believe, where they had Margaret Hamilton play the Wicked Witch. And show up at Sesame Street. Yeah, and there had only ever been rumblings about it because apparently, like, it aired once and parents were, like, uh, angry yeah, about yeah, it because yeah, it scared their kids. A lot of kids got scared over it. The parents wrote letters and they said, okay, we just won't air it again, and they locked into the vault. The good thing is Sesame Street has record every episode that aired is in the vaults. They have it. So it was it was actually at the Library of Congress. You could just go to the Library of Congress and watch it. Like, a, you know, if you really wanted to, um, but you couldn't take it out. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't record it. You couldn't copy it. You could only watch it there. Um, they did do a live showing of it uh, a few years ago, maybe two, three years ago. I think it was right before COVID or maybe it was right during that summer when COVID, when people were like, oh, we could go do things again. Um, but I remember there was some guy on Reddit that got a uh, snippet of it. He snuck his cell phone in there and got a little bit of a recording of it, but you know, obviously, it was just a cell phone recording. It wasn't great. But out of nowhere, someone on Reddit just posted it in full. Just like, here, here it is. Put it on the Internet Archive, put it on there, and saved it. Nobody knows how he did it. it maybe he illegally took it from the Library of Congress. But the video file was dated 2018. So whoever had this must have been holding it for a while. Hmm. Which is bullshit. I hate it when people do that. <laughs> just release it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I see. we watched it. I can see where parents came from because uh, it was kind of like there were a lot of scary moments. Like there were a lot of weird effects. Yeah, and also because like the makeup that you know the makeup's obviously on you know lower PBS lower, budget. Yeah, from and the she's older. 
Yeah, so it makes it makes her look scarier and sound scarier because yeah, she's, her old voice. And the episode ends, so the plot really quickly is the witch flies over Sesame Street. She loses her broom. I don't remember who. I don't remember the humans Mis- at this point. Was it Mr. Hooper? No, it was the – he was an African-American he, guy. I don't guy, remember his he name. He worked at Hooper's store. Anyway, yeah, I don't remember his the, name. He took the broom from her, and he was like, she's rude. I'm not going to give it back to her until she's nice to me. And then she just starts, like, causing a ruckus. Yeah. But the the movie the, the episode ends. She finally nice to him. He gives the broom back. She flies away. She loses it again, and he catches it again. And it just ends with him. Oh no, I have it again. And he starts crying. And they just hug him. And then the credits roll. Mm-hmm. It was. I'm like, that's how they're gonna end it. Like yeah. that's kind of morbid. Uh, Oscar the Grouch hits on her. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know something. You have got to be the most beautiful person I have ever seen. Oh, keep still. Wow, I think I'm in love. <sighs> but but yeah, anyway, it's I on Reddit. It's on the Lost Media yeah. subreddit. It's probably still pinned, and if they delete it off there, it's on the Internet Archive. They're not going to delete it there. So check it out. It's worth a watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the creepy, the, honestly, the scariest thing, actually, about the makeup is that she has, like, red lipstick, which yeah. is weird. She didn't yeah, have that I don't know the why original. they did that. But, yeah, no, I, I, and, and also, yeah, like we said, I can understand... Why kids? Because this was honestly it was scarier in here than she was in the movie. Yeah, like, I don't know what that why they did that. Yeah, and then also I think it. I don't know if this came before or after, but I think it it prompted Mr. Rogers to yes. do an episode with Margaret Hamilton. This was after the episode yeah, where he brought Margaret Hamilton on the show, just you know, as a regular person, and talked to her about being a character in a movie, being, an, being actor, an actor, playing a character, and then he has her put on the Wicked Witch. Costume. Yeah, she puts it. She puts on the makeup. She puts on the hat. She, she doesn't puts, put on the makeup. Oh, she, she doesn't put on the makeup, but she puts on the hat. She puts on the robe. She has the broom. Yeah, just to just to show that like she's just a nice old lady who wore a witch costume in a movie. She's not an actual yeah. scary witch. And, and I, I gotta tell you, it, it it brings me to tears every time just for how pure it is. Or she's like, see, she's not scary. It's just, it's just, it's uh, adorable. My and friend I, Margaret. And I think that the the ultimate, I think, end goal of the Sesame Street episode was kind of to try to almost do the same thing, where it's like, oh she's she's actually you know she's not an evil witch she's actually nice she can be nice but it's like they still played her as like a an, like an actual like a real character like that she's a, 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 this witch actually exists to be fair so they really did keep her in character right they didn't really she was <laughs> just they didn't they kept the character pretty faithful to the original adaptation it's pretty much the same so i'll give them that but yeah, very, very creepy for a children's show. Yeah. A children's educational show, no less. Yeah. I think we said, because back then, it's like, Sesame Street was still, like, finding its footing. Like They were still doing that rapid-fire thing. They thought that they couldn't hold the... I, I, I've read a lot about, or, and watched a lot of documentaries about early Sesame Street. I still need to see that one. That Street just, Gang? I still need to see Street Gang. But, um, yeah, the, back in the early Sesame Street days, they... You know, they wanted to hold children's attention. It was made for inner-city children who didn't always... Who couldn't go to school every day for because of circumstances so they made it for that and they were concerned because it was an hour-long show they're like how are we going to hold kids attention for an hour so they made everything very rapid fire you know there's usually the longest skits are like a minute and they just click 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 all through all this letters numbers colors letters numbers just constant as the years went on and people got more sophisticated into child psychology they found that that's not good and it's actually a detriment so uh, over time, they went a little more somber with longer form content. Yeah, and I think that they also at that point, like, no, recognize like the strength they had with like the Muppet characters because yes. Big Bird is in this episode, but just barely, and so is Oscar the Grouch. Big Bird was the main Muppet before. Yeah, Elmo. yeah, and it, and uh, there's a lot of like it felt like just like kind of like a collection of like what do kids like? It's like cartoons. There's puppets, uh, and then also it's like 
I guess the Wizard of Oz. That's a thing that kids like, so they think feel feel like that was their you know entry point to put this in. It's like I guess universal enough, like kids would know what this is. Yeah, especially back in the seventies. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, next one. This this is a thing that I know that you wanted. to I talk about. love this. So for a benefit event, and I think he's done this elsewhere, but the, my favorite clip is of a benefit event of PBS. I'll we'll put a clip in here at some point, but. It's Bobby McFerrin. If you don't know him, he's the one who made, you know, don't worry, be happy. He's a, he's a fucking, uh, uh, I don't know what the word. He does, he does noises with his mouth. He's, he's a, he's a cool guy. Um, a very talented musician. Um, and I love, if you've never seen him do his stage work, it's incredible. He, whenever he does anything on a stage with an audience, it's great. So what he does is he essentially does like this, um, retelling of The Wizard of Oz using just, noises he makes and songs from the movie but what i love about it is it shows this was in the night late 80s early 90s i believe might have been 91 i'm gonna have to double check the year but as he's doing this he just gets up there he doesn't say we're gonna do the wizard of oz he just starts like singing notes from songs and then the audience like catches on and they continue like the the singing the melodies they know they know all the words he knows you know this movie you know all the words you know exactly what's gonna happen i'm just gonna start singing it and he goes through the whole thing, and it, it brings a smile to my face every time. It's like eight minutes. Um, Mike, if you haven't posted it on our Twitter, can you please post the link on our Twitter? Oh. Um, it is a delight. You definitely got to watch it. And unfortunately, there's no high-quality version of it. The version on YouTube is the only one, and I, I, I saw the uh, uploader was like, yeah, this was from some random PBS uh, recording. I don't know how to get a video of it. I've tried emailing PBS. They don't have it. So I don't know where a high-quality version of this exists, but um, he's done it other times, but I think this PBS one, this PBS telethon thing was mm -hmm. the best rendition of it. Come out, come out, wherever you are And meet a young lady who fills for the stars She fills for the stars, she fills any part one of the other things, the this was also in the Angela Lansbury documentary, the fiftieth anniversary Oz Parade. That was that like, was in New York, right? Yeah, I think it was like I think it was like coastal, like it was like I think it was like traveling to cities or oh. something like that. Oh, we're going to the hundred one, right? If they do a hundredth anniversary, I'll I'll go. I will go to the Oz Parade. I will dress yeah. as the Scarecrow. Honestly, it looked fucking lit. It like, did look really lit. Like, it did look really fun. Like, I, I can't imagine anything nowadays, like, being able to, like, you know, flood the streets of New York that extensively, unless if it's, like, people advocating for basic human rights. Oh, boy, yeah. Can you get an abortion in Kansas? Yeah. Oh I don't know. Dorothy Christ. has to go to Oz in order to fix that. <laughs> She's oh, got to take the balloon to Oz. Uh. Holy shit. Topical. Anyway, um, but yeah, the 50th anniversary Oz Parade, it was a uh, footage of it exists in the Angela Lansbury documentary. We're just going to keep going back to that, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I like I said, that's a basis for a lot of my uh, knowledge and nostalgia for this movie. In the summer of 1989, there is an extraordinary outpouring of affection as all across America fans celebrate the 50th birthday of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, 
California to Kansas, from New York to Florida, a timeless movie continues to enchant generation after generation. On a drizzly Sunday morning in August, Midtown Manhattan comes to a halt as the most spectacular Oz event of the year takes place. This happening will find its way into the Guinness Book of World Records, with nearly 5,000 excited participants tap dancing down 34th Street. After weeks of rehearsal, the youngsters give it their all, knowing they'll be seen on TV, even if it's just for a fleeting moment. I, I'll put as many clips of her in this as I can, because just listening to her talk lovingly about this movie it's it's very like grandmally where yeah, it's like she's very very grandma she has a grandmotherly charm yeah. i know her more from this than i did from beauty and the beast as a kid like i had more of an attachment to her you're like holy this. shit she's the teapot yeah <laughs> um but yeah this all this movie also uh prompted uh, a a basically a theme park and i saw this this was in the shutter documentary where they had people they interviewed some of the people uh, who work at the Land of Oz theme park, which is in Beach Mountain, North Carolina. Right. And they interviewed some of the actors, the actors who played Dorothy in The Tin Man and all that in in that documentary. I saw some clips of that. Hey, Defunct Land, do your thing, man. I want to <laughs> see this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, like I, I see, yeah, some of the they they make like the the outdoor settings and stuff. Like they have like the the yellow brick roads and like some of the sets. It looks it looks kind of nice. Like I mean, yeah, I'm I, looking I, at pictures of it right now on the website. It's cute. It's a quaint thing. I mean, if you got young kids, looks, I feel like it looks this is for, like this it looks is like it's for kids. Yeah. It's like a Sesame Place type thing. If you got three, four year old kids, you take them to this place. And it's in North Carolina. I'm not going to North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, this movie also has some other adaptations, uh, some from uh, for Broadway. Uh, I mean, amazingly enough, it looks like this the actual Wizard of Oz, the movie, like didn't have a straight adaptation until in 2011, where Andrew Lloyd Webber decided that he's gonna do a, a Wizard of Oz musical. Uh, you know, you know my opinions on Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think his early stuff is based every like Jesus Christ Superstar and stuff like that. Really good. I don't like anything post like. 80s, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Cats 2019. What year did What year did Cats premiere on Broadway? Like 90. It was probably an 80s thing. 80s? I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, still probably fits into that category. Yeah, of bad. Yeah, but but man, that movie. Oh boy, I can't wait to make you watch it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, there were two other Broadway adaptations, the big ones that people know. First being the Wiz, which is just it's 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 Black Wizard of Oz. I like it. It's fine. It's not great. Um, you know, I, I've seen the movie adaptation. I've never seen it on Broadway, or I've never seen a stage production of The Wiz, but I've seen the movie. Have you seen The Wiz? I'm not sure. I don't think so. It's cool. Michael Jackson's in it. Diana Ross, Nipsey Russell, Michael Jackson. Really, really, really good cast, um, but it's not great. I mean, outside of the music performances, which obviously they're all musicians, it's not a great movie, um, but it's worth a watch, I'd say. And then the other, the big uh, musical adaptation is Wicked, which... If you can't find me! Uh, yeah, still never seen Wicked. I saw uh, it, I saw it. It was, um, it was good. You know what I like about it? It's not too serious. I mean, it's kind of serious because obviously it's Broadway, but it's not too serious with its subject matter. It's very funny at times. And also, they make m little references to the movie that you wouldn't catch. Like, at the end of the movie... Or the end of the play. Do you care if I spoil? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Whatever. Okay. Listeners, I'm gonna spoil Wicked if you haven't seen it. 
but at the end of the at the end of the show, she uh, kind of gets. I, I if I remember correctly, I saw it like two years ago, three years ago. But she gets water thrown at her the same way, and she like dies or something, and. You see her go into a door in the floor, and that's the twist. Like, she was in the door the whole time, and she, like, comes out of the door. She doesn't actually die. It was staged, which, uh, very funny, because when you watch the movie, you could see everyone likes, oh, look, you can see the door. Look, you see her going down in the, el- yeah, you know? Yeah, no, Everyone I likes guess. to point that out. But, um, yeah, it, it, it I, I, Wicked is an amazing. I'm not going to be one of those people who say, like, oh, Wicked's this great. It's It's good. Yeah. It's good, and especially it, if you're a fan of Wizard of Oz. It you'll like it for different reasons than you know Broadway stands like it. Yeah. It's got uh, something for everybody. Yeah, and I've it's taken a long time to get a movie adaptation. Who but was directing that, or who was I involved believe, in that? Yeah, I, at this point, I think it's I because me and Lewis, I think we talked about uh, on a, an episode of Market Research. I don't remember which one, but I think that the Wicked movie is going into production, and it's going to be a two-parter. They're going to split this. Oh, they're going to do that 2014 thing where every movie's in two parts. Yeah. I, it was like, what? So it's going to be act two. Imagine imagine if you couldn't go to act two of a Broadway musical until a year later. <laughs> like, the Broadway musical isn't even that long. It's a standard two-and-a-half-hour two, two Broadway show. You don't have to make it two parts. Yeah, the movie looks to be directed by John M. Chu, and he directed it in the Heights uh, the Into Heights movie, and which is good, and it's going to be starring Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande. Oh boy, is Cynthia is, is cringe Manuel Miranda involved? <laughs> Not that I can see. Thank Cynthia Erivo is playing Elphaba, and Ariana Grande is Glinda. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I mean, don't Cynthia Erivo is very talented, so I hope she doesn't do that breathy voice thing, Ariana Grande. That I I, I just it gets old really fast. Mm. Well. We'll have to see it in two parts in 2024. Jesus. Uh, all right. Um, this movie was, in 1939, nominated for five Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Picture, uh, lost to Gone with the Wind in the same Bullshit. Week, which was also uh, directed by Victor Fleming, and he won Best Director for Gone with the Wind instead of Wizard of Oz. Um, Bullshit. The movie is also only nominated for best visual effects uh, and best art direction. And I and what at that time had better visual effects and well, art direction? Well, beat it. I I am going to have to look this up because I do not believe for a second. Well, Mike looks that up. I'm going to talk about what it did win. It won best original score and best song for Over the Rainbow, which I agree. I think which, those are good of course, picks. It's, it's like one of the most like universal just watch the bobby mcferrin uh, clip everybody knows these songs yeah and also judy garland won like a best juvenile actress for this movie as well i wish they still did that yeah i wish they did like special when was the last time you saw like a special achievement oscar david lynch well that's the last one i remember david those are honorary awards oh that's a lifetime achievement yeah Yeah. like honorary awards i'm talking about like like when they did like like uh like for snow white where they made like the special achievement oscar where they gave like they was just like they gave I, an award to well has there been anything worthy of a special achievement oscar that came out recently well i mean i don't know there's pro- like the, you know strives in like motion capture acting i would thought like maybe like when lord of the rings came out like andy circus yeah. could have gotten something avatar for 3d i mean listen avatar is a bad movie but you know i mean it was nominated for best picture it was nominated for like real awards yeah so but i feel like toy they story, also they, i remember they did toy story they gave like a special award to toy story for like the innovations the of fir- 3d animation the first vr movie is gonna get one mm-hmm. uh but yeah so the best visual effects were 
that the Wizard of Oz did not win, but uh, the movie that won was called The Rains Came. The Rains Came. (laughs) That sounds like a 30s movie. In India, a married British aristocrat is reunited with an old flame, but she truly has her sights set on a handsome surgeon. Gonna go on a limb and say it's probably racist. Uh, Yeah. And then... uh, I just wanted to include this. I know we have our, our beloved meme section, and the one that I, I, w- I just want to bring up is, uh... Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! This is Your family. Hold on! Her sister was a witch! Right? And what was her sister? A princess! The Wicked Witch of the East, bro! I'm gonna stab him. You're gonna look at me, and you're gonna tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? She wore a crown and she came down in a bunker, dog. I'm not fighting with you. Grow up. I'm not fighting with you. Grow up. Get educated. (laughs) You're going to tell me I'm wrong? Grow up, dog. (laughs) It's the best. I don't know what they were arguing about. It's just... I think what they were arguing is... He's trying to say Glinda is the Wicked Witch of the East, and he's trying to say, no, the Wicked Witch of the East is the one under the house. Yeah, and the She's the Wicked Witch of the South. The Wicked Witch of the North. The North. Yes. Yes. Um, but oh, yeah. and I think the Wicked Witch of the South is in uh, Wicked. I yeah. don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, did, I did also find it funny that the video starts with them already yelling at each other, so it's clear that they were arguing about this so such much a, that somebody had to take out their phone and record it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's clearly not staged. Like, this is just a heated argument between individuals. Yeah. I hadn't watched it in so many years, but it was a it was a big Vine thing when it came out. Oh, yeah. And then I when miss I, Vine. Yeah. And then when I and then when I was... I had watched it in years, and then when I remembered, oh, yeah, I, I, I watched it, and I was still just, like, laughing to myself at this video. I think it's really, really funny. Because, uh, again, it, j- it doesn't feel like someone's trying to go viral. It just feels like a natural, like, you know, funny thing. Anyway, we're coming to the end. Let's get to some of the home media releases. So, so yeah, it was first released on video uh, on in 1980. So the first VHS uh, of the movie. VHS uh, and beta. And beta, yep. So, uh, and its first Laserdisc was released in 1983. And then in 89, there were two 50th anniversary releases, one from Turner and one from the Criterion Collection. I did not know Criterion released The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see uh, if that uh, Criterion Laserdisc still uh, exists, if they're still copied. Let me look it up. Criterion Laser, Laserdisc, $14 on eBay. Um, you should buy it. 14 I, bucks on eBay? Dude, put it next to your Toy Story Laserdisc. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. it was released on CED. For those of you who don't know, CED was a failed format made by RCA, which was literally movie on a vinyl disc. Like, a, a needle scratched a vinyl like music, and it produced video somehow. And it came in these weird plastic sleeves. You would, like put the plastic sleeve in the player, and then pull the sleeve out, it would, like, suck the disc out. It was horrible. If it came out in the 70s, it was in development hell since the 70s. If it came out in the 70s, it would have been a revolutionary video format. The problem is it came out in the 80s. We already had VHS. There was no reason for it to exist. But, yeah, Yeah. it was released on CED in 82, and it was also released many times in the video CD format, which is a... uh, a format very popular in uh, Asian territories, places with high humidity where VHS tapes uh, tend to you know, get destroyed from the humidity. They would release very compressed video files on 800 megabyte CDs before DVDs. 
Yeah. I'm glad that you, you're here to explain If you can tell, I know so much about media formats. That's my bag. Yeah. I didn't even expect to go on that big of a tangent about these, like, tech, dead tech formats, but I'm glad I have you yeah, here to yeah, explain Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, video me. CD, if you ever – basically, for video CD, picture watching a movie in 144p with Chinese subtitles. That's what it's like watching it on VCD. Because they all have Chinese subtitles. And the first DVD of this movie was released in 1997. 97? That's, I that's be- pretty early. Oh, it, But this one contained no special features or supplements. So this is not the one that I had. The one that I had was released in 1999 because this is the one that had the Angela Lansbury documentary on it. And that is the one that I had. I had yes. that DVD of it. Um, and, it com- and it also it had all of the bonus features. It had... The uh, the jitterbug song it had, uh, like you know, just the song, the not footage. Yeah, it like they put like you know like production stills over the yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the recording. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the movie was released on Blu-ray in two thousand nine for its seventieth uh, anniversary. Uh, the ult- and it also had an ultimate collector's edition, which uh, I did not have. And uh, this one had uh, a new bonus feature on it, uh, which. Uh, ha- it was called The Dreamer of Oz, the L. Frank Bomb Story, which was uh, hosted. It had new bonus features about Victor Fleming and the surviving munchkins. Um, a lot of stuff on here. Um, and then I got the 4K Blu-ray of uh, the movie, which that was the first thing that prompted us to want to do the episode because I, I bought the 4K of this movie, and I watched it, and I was just so delighted. And then watched it, it also it had the Lang- the Angela Lansbury documentary on it because the the, the subsequent Blu-ray – I, I had the Blu-ray, too. It didn't have that on there. For yeah, some the, the, the regular, sh- regular shitty 1080p Blu-ray. Yeah, it, it had uh, some documentary hosted by Martin Sheen, which was all right, but it kind of felt it felt a little bit more it like, you know. It wasn't even hosted by him. It was just narrated by him. Yeah. He doesn't show up. You told me about it. I was like, oh, shit, I love Martin Sheen, and then he doesn't even show up. I was like, I Yeah, uh, but it, it, uh, that one feels like a little bit more of like a, you know, a classic, like, you know, television documentary talking head. It, the problem is that it, it wasn't scary. Like, that's what this Wizard of Oz, yeah. that, that's what the Angela Lansbury has movie had is that it was yeah. scary you also uh, forgot to mention there was a 3d blu-ray release oh of course yeah to coincide with the imax 3d yeah uh, yeah blu-ray. so that was so honestly it's kind of crazy that uh up until the 4k release the best version you could get was probably the blu-ray 3d release because even the 2d version of that has to be from a higher quality master than the 1080p one so even though you're watching it in 1080p it's from a 4k master so it might look a little bit clearer um but now, yeah, there's no other way to watch this movie but 4K. Yeah. It's, it's, it, somehow the charm is still there. No, yeah, I mean, it's, it also even though everything looks fake. Yeah, but, like, the, the colors pop so much that it's just, like, it's so I'm telling you, if you could watch this in 4K, is it in, it's not in 4K on HBO Max, which is frustrating. It's only in 1080. And, and that was a reassuring thing, that, because I, I still hold to physical media. I still like buying Blu-rays and 4Ks, and there, there are times when I'm like, would this just look better on streaming? I'm sure it's streaming 4K is good enough. No, I did it's it. not. St- 4K streaming, with the exception, Disney Plus is really good with it, but every other one, I don't know what container or what format, proprietary format Disney uses on Disney Plus, but HBO Max is good too, but a lot of them is this really compressed, shitty-looking 4K. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's technically 4K, yeah. but it's like not. I want, like, I, I did a low little... Low bit rate. I did a little side-by-side comparison with the 4K Blu-ray and the HBO Max stream, and I was like, oh, there is a clear difference that this disc looks way better. Uh, let's talk about what our poll question for this episode is going to be, and I'm going to go to the poll question that we asked on the 
Last episode, Manos the Hands of Fate, we asked the question, because Manos the Hands of Fate is largely considered the worst movie of all time, we asked, what do you think is the worst movie of all time? And so I asked uh, some people. We had some responses. One response that we had was from a uh, uh, friend, uh, O'Shan Man, where she said, I spend most of my free time watching terrible horror movies, and I'm always seeking them out. When I came across Rivershine, I felt that I had finally hit the bottom of the barrel. No joke, this is one of the lowest points in cinematic history. And I, and then she links the letterboxed for it. And in 2016, short, it's like 48 minutes, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This doesn't count. This isn't real. Like, this isn't a real movie. And then she showed it to me, and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I don't even remember. It was just, like, the, the first, like, two minutes of it where it was just, like, really badly synced music. And uh, I don't even know what the fuck this movie was. I didn't watch the whole thing. It's the, I don't even know if it counts as a real movie. Uh, from uh, Instagram, because we also post these on our Instagram stories, I asked. Uh, if you don't follow us. Yes, follow us on us follow? follow us at Cinema Marketing Podcast on Instagram. Uh, that's where the stories that I uh, on the story section is where I share a lot of these questions and a lot of the other related materials. So follow us there. And then so our response on Instagram from uh, Kevin Liam Higgins, who he is the host of I Helped Make That, and I did an episode with him uh, where we interviewed one of the production assistants on Ice Age. So go listen to that. Uh, and he responds with Pinocchio twenty two thousand two. That's the Bernini one. Yes, right? that's the. Oof, that one's rough. Yeah, I mean, we 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 also got another Pinocchio remake uh, coming out. Looks th- awesome. Well, the the Guillermo del Toro one does, but then yes. the Disney Plus oh, fucking no, no, no. remake. Not that one. Not yeah. that one. And I I don't remember was there was one that came out like two years ago with that also had Roberto Benigni in it. What about the one Father? <laughs> Father, when am I gonna go what? out on my own? Yeah, yeah what I don't about know, that one? I don't know what the fuck that is, but anyway. <laughs> uh, God, yeah. Pinocchio is better be soon. We better do Pinocchio one of these days. Hey, when that Disney Plus movie comes out, maybe we can gather around yeah. there. Although I think I need something a little bit more modern for uh, a little bit. I think yeah. going back this far and all this research, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's draining. Yeah. But yeah. So but this, anyway, so because we asked what, because we asked about what the worst movie was last time we decided to go off of the afi top 100 because this movie is, as of 2007 is in the top 10 of afi's top 100 films of all time and the top 10 wizard of oz is number 10 number nine is vertigo eight is schindler's list seven lawrence of arabia six gone with the wind five singing in the rain four raging bull three casablanca two the godfather and number one is citizen kane i gotta say vertigo interesting choice I would not put that as I would my not put Vertigo. As, no, I wouldn't put that as one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. North by Northwest, I would, I would, probably. I would put Rear North, Window. I would put North by Northwest. I would put Psycho over it. Psycho. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, but yeah. So we figured, of the AFI top ten of the ones we just listed, what is the best movie on that list? And I don't want to be predictable and just say The Wizard of Oz, but because that is like honestly, if I was making like my top five favorite movies, The Wizard of Oz would be like number. Two or three, probably. So besides so, The Wizard of Oz, Mike, what's, what's... If I had to say besides The Wizard of Oz, I'm from an Italian household. The Godfather is on the only other movie that is like mm. considered like the greatest movie of all time where I'm like, all right, that's, uh, yeah. that's agreeable. I'm biased. I'm going to say it's a tie for me between The Godfather and Singing in the Rain. Oh, Singing in the Rain Singing is... Singing in the Rain really is hot. just fucking amazing. And then second place, I'd probably put a tie between like Raging Bull and... Maybe Lawrence of Arabia. Citizen Kane, maybe. I haven't seen Citizen Kane in years. I liked it when I first saw it. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, um, see, I like Citizen Kane a lot. I think it is a really good movie. 
and, and I understand, like, for the time, like, all of the innovations that it made, but I do think that, like, it still being the moniker of the greatest movie of all time, it's a little overplayed. It's, it's a, a little, little overplayed, un- un- exactly. Unwarranted. There have, been, uh, there have been better movies since. Yeah. And, uh, uh, by the way, totally based of them to put Raging Bull up there. Raging yeah. Bull is such a good movie. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I am more on board with, like the Godfather being like the go-to, the greatest movie of all time. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, because it kind of is kind of close to it. Close, uh, very close. I don't. I still don't understand how how God with the Wind is still this high on it. Uh, there, hasn't I've never seen Gone with the Wind, and you cannot fucking make me. I don't think there's a movie I want to see less than Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I, I think that there needs to be a new updated version because they did one in 1998. and this then they is, did this one was two thousand seven. Yeah, they so it seemed like they would they they yeah, did it's it. It's been like a, yeah. almost twenty years, yeah, they, guys. Yeah, it would have been a ten year anniversary they did for tw- two thousand seven where they redid the list. They haven't done one since. Would have thought twenty seventeen we would have got it right around the the corner, but no, we didn't. And there's also uh, um, there's a podcast that. Uh, it was Paul Shear and Amy Nicholson, I think. They did a podcast called Unspooled where they reviewed all of the top 100 uh, movies on the AFI list. And then once they ran out, they just kind of just did whatever movie they decided. And I'm like, all right, now the concept is gone. I don't really care. But that was uh, an interesting, like, you know, yeah. chronicalization. They should have moved did. over to the IMDb list. Uh, <laughs> that's our, our question. What is your favorite movie in, in the, the AFI Top 10? Yeah, the Top 10 of the 2007 AFI 100 Years 100 Movies list. Yeah. All right, so we're closing out. I don't even think we need to give a rating for this movie. It's a 10 out of 10. It's yeah. the easiest 10 out of 10 movie that there ever has yeah, been. Yeah, for the movie 10 out of 10 marketing, I, I honestly, this is the first movie I'm going to say I can't give a rating. I... There's so much across so many facets of history. It's almost like we just made this episode just as an excuse to talk about The Wizard of yeah. Oz. Well, I mean, there, there is a lot of interesting stuff about the marketing, especially at the time. But I think that a lot of the marketing from that time, really, they didn't know what the fuck this movie was. And they didn't really know how to sell it to people where they're like, because they knew that, like, you know, the books were, like, this big cultural touchstone. So it was, like, selling off of, like, it's L. Frank Baum's vision come to life on screen. But, like, they they didn't show a lot of the color visuals in a lot of those early ads, which, I mean, understandable. I actually kind of prefer that, that, like, keep the color a secret. But I they it did also, it from this very antiquated 1930s trailer format, just kind of doesn't really look all that great. And then a lot of the, the re-release trailers, again, Still feels like this should be an easy sell. It's one of the most recognizable movies of all time, and yet all of the the subsequent trailers still just kind of feel like I don't know what movie you think you're selling. Like the 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 IMAX 3D trailer where it's like this epic movie, and I'm like, what? This is kind. Of, it's just very very. So are you saying you're going to give a rating to this? I'll give. I'll I'll think of something because I think that there. I think that this movie's it's. Its legacy is kind of based on like re-releases and being and staying uh, mainstream in the decades since it was released. So I think that it being you know that much of a cultural touchstone is like you know a, a important for the movie's legacy. But I do think that like a lot if you actually watch some of those materials, it's I don't know if it's actually that great at like getting me like excited to watch this movie. But I will say that. I will include the Angela Lansbury documentary as an extension of the marketing, and I will bump it 
to a, a six a to get six. it to get it to like a positive rate. But again, this is a movie that feels like it doesn't need marketing. It speaks for itself. It's The Wizard of Oz. It's one of the most recognizable movies of all time. It doesn't really need to rely on marketing anymore. Well, wait a minute. So you, the Angela Lansbury documentary bumped up to a six. If you include the Fathom event, it's all oh, zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but no, it yeah. takes it down six points. Yeah. No, but you know the 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 the, uh, the fathom. Yeah, again, some of the re-releases. I mean, good to just whatever excuse you can to get this movie into theaters is always you know yeah, it's welcome. Good, it's good to see on the big screen if it's actually formatted correctly. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So that was our episode on the Wizard of Oz. Uh, probably the oldest movie that we've done. Uh, definitely the oldest movie we've done at this point. I don't know if there's anything older that we could probably touch. I guess Snow White maybe at some point. Yeah. But, yeah, it might be a long time before we go back to old Hollywood. It's funny because Snow White was one of the uh, first movies that I considered for this after Kangaroo Jack. I'm like, Mike, why don't we do Snow White? Why don't we do yeah. something old? I know th- yeah, I know that Snow White is probably going to be another one of these endeavors. Oh, where yeah, like we are going to have to go on Google, uh, newspa- Google News where they archive all the old newspapers and like search for Wizard of Oz in the all newspapers. The, all the stuff yeah. that all those uh those shots that are in defunct land videos of old uh yeah. newspaper clippings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but anyway, yeah, that's our episode on the Wizard of Oz. Uh plugs and sign up. Let me just give uh on Twitter I am at the Kino Man and on Instagram uh the Kino Man as well. And Anthony, where can we find you on the internet? You can just find me on Instagram, Slavoj underscore vibe check. That's S L A V O J underscore vibe check. Yeah. I just post fits and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't do I don't do the media stuff like Mike does. Yeah, I mean, I barely do it either. I just, uh, you know, I, I do. We're just schlubbing it. If it wasn't for me trying to keep up with, like, you know, podcast research, I would get rid of my social media in a heartbeat. I don't I blame need, you. I need it. I need it away from me. I put a 30-minute time limit on Twitter and TikTok. I did it for Instagram. Yeah. I think, yeah, you just got to gotta limit, see the outside world. Don't touch be. Touch grass. Yeah. Like. Go touch grass. That's the moral of the story. Touch grass. Somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, go touch uh, grass, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, but if you're on, uh, you know, social media platforms, uh, come to ours. Uh, I I posted a thing because Dolly Minis are kind of the thing, so I posted some weird Wizard of Oz related Dolly Minis yeah, uh, those on are Twitter. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, the AI I th- stuff. I think I might try to do that for all of these episodes. I'm gonna make some Dolly Minis related <laughs> to whatever movie we're doing. Great. great. All right. So yeah, so you can find us on Twitter uh, at uh, CinemarketPod and on Instagram Cinemarket. Marketing podcast that and those are the sites where we post uh, a lot of the videos and a lot of the teasers for upcoming episodes. I post sometimes. I just like to post. I just like to shit post. I'll I'll shit post something about the movie. Like I put the fucking her sister was a witch on my Instagram. He's just he's just unhinged. He has no rules. Sometimes I forget that I have it, but then when I do, when I remember that, oh, I have to promote this episode, I'll put some wacky stuff there. You can see we take this podcast very seriously. When I remember to post about it, when I remember that I have a podcast. Uh, yeah, and I know that this episode took a little longer to come out than our regular thing. We're a little off schedule on this, but this is a big episode, and we need a lot of time to prepare Yeah, I'm looking it. at the recording right now. We're almost at an hour and a half. That's a pretty long episode for yeah, us. M- anyway, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We're going to, yeah, so our next episode, we're going to have uh, someone, uh, uh, a friend of the show joining us for uh, an endeavor that he took on to do some research for us. Thank God, because I was not going to research this movie. All right. Anyway, thanks again, and uh, there's no place like home. That's how we'll end it. Coming soon to theaters. Mr. Burroughs, 
I'm afraid I bring sad tidings. Your uncle's passing came as a shock to all of us. It was a sign that something 